0: A few weeks ago, I was invited to Derek Gallimore's show, the Outsource Accelerator podcast. Derek is a serial entrepreneur and the founder of Outsource Accelerator, which he often describes as the Alibaba of outsourcing, providing the gateway for businesses to connect with outsourcing suppliers. In early 2022, I sat with Derek to study how the pandemic changed the outsourcing landscape and how the supply and demand for software developers were evolving. And you can find that episode in the show notes if you missed it. Of course, a lot has changed since then, and we're discussing how in today's episode. We're also looking at the latest tech scene updates, outsourcing market trends for 2023, and what sets of shoring in the Philippines apart from other countries. I hope you enjoy listening as much as we have enjoyed recording it.
1: Friend, welcome back to the show. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you, Derek? Fantastic. Fantastic. Fred, I want to get updates. We spoke about 30 weeks ago, nearly a year ago, uh, yeah. about the tech scene. And it is something that changes so fast, not least the technology, but also the people within it. Uh, and now also, you know, we had a massive sort of hiring crunch labor shortage a yeah. year ago, as we came out of the pandemic. And now we seem to be coming into a bit of a recession. And, and certainly Silicon Valley is letting off a lot of the, a lot of the staff. Yeah. So it'd um, be great to get your insights on that. Um, I suppose we can start by saying, how, how, is, uh, how is the tech seen as you see it in the Philippines?
0: Yeah, so I think uh, in the Philippines, uh, there's all, I mean, it's still very dynamic. So a lot of people are still hiring uh, people in the Philippines from abroad. Um, so we've seen these high profile companies like fire a lot of people. We have this example of Twitter and and maybe Facebook and uh, uh, even Google. I think is is apparently about to fire a bunch of people. Um, but those are all companies that grew so fast um, and maybe a bit too fast, and now they just realize that they have to get rid of a, a certain a certain amount of people. And um, um, so there's a part of the of the of the uh, firings that are technical people, but it's not all of it and what i've read and what i can see is that um smaller companies um, who haven't been growing so fast uh maybe don't need to to also let go of of that many people um so we see that makes the big headlines because it's big companies but apparently the situation is not as bad as as we might want to think Uh, And I just spoke with a bunch of people in in the Valley saying that, uh, uh, yes, there are these firings, but the economy is still great there. So, um, yeah. Uh, It's
1: it's a mixed picture, isn't it? Because you hear that, you know, obviously there's sort of down valuations and things like that. VCs don't have as much money, but certainly they have a lot in reserve still. And it might be the next round that is lacking more money. Um, generally startups now have been told to try and make profitability instead of just burn 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 so there is a a change in behavior um it, it seems you know from what i understand like the big silicon valley firms like the facebook and google and stuff they would just literally hire any key developers and sort of put them on the bench just so that their competitors couldn't access that skill or that talent it's um pretty competitive and when i suppose you got incredible yeah. money to burn it starts yeah. getting pretty aggressive in terms of those strategies so maybe a lot of those things would unwind now yeah
0: of course when you have uh, interest rates at zero uh you could i mean the, you can spend money right but when the interest rates start to go up then everything becomes a lot more uh, expensive and people have to think okay what's the value of my dollar today versus uh, down the road and, and you realize that you actually have to keep the dollars um, instead of spending them, right? And I think that's what a lot of companies are getting ready for. And I've listened to a bunch of VCs saying that uh, they're also telling their companies to kind of keep a cash until the end of 2024 because they're saying that this is kind of like the, the rough patch that might happen. So and I, And so it sounds a bit scary, but I think at the same time, uh, it gives a lot of opportunities with um for the outsourcing industry um because you don't stop innovating uh, when times get hard mm. that's when you have to keep innovating so um you just have to do it more efficiently
1: yeah that's critical isn't it because these companies it's it's a real hard spot to be in like suddenly yeah. they are expected to do more to dig out of the hole with less people you know and in all of their history they have just been adding more and more people more expenses and becoming inefficient and now they need to be hyper efficient with less people and so yeah. outsourcing is a phenomenal or offshore staffing it's a phenomenal point for that isn't it in that you can still yeah. do the development innovation the building uh, and significantly cut costs how have you seen right. all of this because it's been crazy over the last, I suppose, six to 12 months in terms of like the boom and then the bust, it seems. How have you seen the Philippine market amidst that? Is there generally a shortage? Is it generally hard to find people? Uh, And have you seen any change in that in the last three months?
0: I don't think so um, I think it's still very competitive and, and probably because companies understand that um, the Philippines is a good market to to hire people so we've seen like an, I mean the trends haven't really changed so maybe it's too early to tell um, but for us we didn't see uh, many changes in terms of the hiring it's still a competitive landscape we still have to keep on increasing the salaries of our developers um, um, so it's still competitive um we've seen um i mean for us but we have a very limited view of the of the market but we've seen a leads becoming a bit more quiet in the in the last uh four to five months but now it's starting to pick up again so because the i think the stock market maybe it's related to that also has been really trashed in the last six months um and even more so from the start of the year actually so people were attentive and i think Things are calming down now a little bit on that front. Um, and you see also the Ukraine war is is kind of like there's hopes that it could, you know, uh, slow down as well. And I think now people are can see the end. There's the midterms that have been passed as well. So people can kind of see a lot of good things uh, starting to to move, even though the clouds are not out yet uh and so they can maybe be a bit more serene in the investments they want to make forward um so it's uh, yeah i think it's a it's it's a turning point really now uh, the feeling i have is, is and the inflation is also slowing down as well right so at, at least in the us so
1: hopefully hopefully and hopefully you yeah. say the uh, salaries have been going up in the Philippines. Is that yeah. pretty constant, pretty consistent? And of course, inflation in the Philippines is you know up around that almost double digits as well. So, um, but where are you seeing salaries in the Philippines head?
0: Uh, yeah, so they go they, they are going up. Also, in the last few months, because the dollar has been so strong, so um, a lot of people could get dollar offers at the moment, and then when they receive, like, because Everybody gets uh, you know, like uh, offered jobs on LinkedIn or whatever. People reach out to employees directly. And so when they look at the dollar amounts, then they, they're like, wow, this is a really good opportunity. But they don't realize that it's an exceptional time now and it's not going to last. And you can actually see that the dollar, dollar is going down as the other economies are also raising their interest rates uh, with the central banks. So it's going to, to become, um, I mean, maybe just the average as it was in the past, right? So I think this has also played in the fact that people feel like they can earn more um, and that people, companies in the US have been offering more uh, just uh, like that. But this is probably not going to last also. So maybe this has had an impact also on the increase in salaries in general, because if an employee gets a, a really crazy offer, uh, sometimes we can't compete. But if, if the offer is not that, big, maybe we could look at trying to keep that person. Um, so it's still pushing everything up. That's the bottom line.
1: And in the US, like the, uh, requ- the requests of employees or, or the conditions and benefits of employees were, were sort of hitting fever pitch. And have have you seen any pullback? And you know, significantly as well, employees wanted to to work from home, be remote, have a lot more sort of freedom and call the shots in terms of their uh, their appearance. How does that reflect on the Philippines? Are most people now wanting to work from home? And how do you think yeah. that impacts productivity?
0: Yeah, so we've done this now for almost three years, um, and I mean the work from home thing uh, two and a half. We 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 have surveyed often our employees and our clients to understand. Uh, I mean their behavior. I mean their wellness or how well they feel at home for our employees, and also in terms of um, uh, our customers, like how is the quality and the performance perceived? And both signals are extremely positive. So. Maybe it's location dependent, and and if you have less commute, for example, than in the Philippines, uh, and you just have five minute walk to go to the office, then uh, maybe the changes are not that dramatic. But in the Philippines, a lot of people were spending a lot of time in the car or like in jeepneys and stuff, and so this time that is not spent in public transportation or in trans- transportation at all it has been seen to to improve their quality of life and the quality of what they can produce and their happiness and probably also simply uh, the performance at work so overall it's been overwhelmingly positive i could say
1: incredible huh? and that will that will never reverse now you think that'll be the new the new norm
0: um, I think so. So we have no intention for us asking our employees to come back. And that's an attrition problem. So if you were asking people to come back to the office, probably a third of, of the people would just find another online or, you know, remote job. Um, and uh, I, I still feel like that people are, in general, asking for more connection. And so uh, we just have to change the culture of the company and and try to find better ways for people to... Um, to get together and communicate. So for example, for us, it's about building, now we're building a gym. Um, so Derek, we're building a CrossFit uh, gym in Cebu. So um, anytime you want to come. Um, so we're starting the project now. And, and so by mid next year, we hope that we have that. Uh, and we want this to be a place where people can come and, and have a coffee and work out with their colleagues and friends. Um, rather than forcing people to come back to the office, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And then we're increasing the amounts of times that people would meet every year, like, um, you know, with the summer parties or the fun days in the office and the Christmas party and stuff. So we fly everybody in Cebu, offer them a hotel and stuff. And and so that's when they can stay for about a week in Cebu and and meet again with their, their friends and colleagues.
1: And do you think, how important is this culture piece? Because I I wonder, like a lot of people, they're like, you know, take it or leave it. But, And I think in the short term, it's probably not noticed and you can easily forego it. But then in the long term, I wonder sort of 10, 20 years from now, are we just all sort of going to be floating around in relative isolation? Like, I, you know, a lot of us in our formative years had huge yeah. Uh, I don't know. Sort of learning and influence from our workplaces. Yeah. Um, is...
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I yeah, I agree with you. Like it's been it's been absolutely key for us. So I don't know about people who are joining now. I mean, we We just for us. I mean, the, what we're trying to do is we we invest a lot in the culture. We have to improve uh, the culture over time. We have to make sure that people are being supported in in various ways when they join us. So the onboarding, we have to be better at that. We have to be better at including people and have like their onboarding buddies and stuff. Um, I don't know to which extent all of this can replace the office. Um, um, It's kind of like a trade, I guess it's a trade-off between the comfort of people and, and how connected they can feel towards the company. So that's why we keep on increasing the benefits. We try to increase all the stuff we offer for people to be healthy and connected um, differently. And we still have an office, so people can come to the office. It's there. Um, and and uh, maybe, maybe in a year or two, we'll see more people coming back to the office. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but not because we're asking. it's because people want to to feel connected.
1: And how are you seeing the tech uh, environment change over time? like it, it's known to be a fast changing kind of environment, and I, this is really out of my depth in terms of the the nature of technology in terms of coders, mm-hmm. developers, the languages they use, the methodology, the types of things they're building. Uh, and the rails that they're building on, how, yeah. you know, I would imagine if you zoom out over five or 10 years, 20 years, it changes tremendously, but how, how is yeah. that on a sort of year to year basis and how do you adapt so that your, your team and clients are right. adapted?
0: So I think um, there has been a lot of changes when the internet and all the cloud stuff has been maturing um, because people had to kind of find the best technologies, I guess, to, uh, that would work with, with that. So that's why we've seen a big return, for example, in all the JavaScript and now TypeScript um, uh, languages, if you want, with different kinds of frameworks uh, in which this is being used. Um, but it doesn't change dramatically year on year. There's always new stuff coming in, but uh, there's always it always takes time for a framework to kind of stick with the community and then uh, how well it's being maintained. Because it's all about that. You can't jump into something every new every year that has a small community that is not evolving. So uh, now we kind of see like there's a bunch of um, uh, frameworks that are here to stay for a while. And then it's more like of an evolution rather than a, um, like a, a change every every now and then. We see some new languages coming in, but some stick and then it changes towards using that and some just are a fad and, and and disappear. But we don't venture into all the new stuff because our clients, for example, they are building their businesses on that technology. And so when you make one investment into one technology, you can't just like change it every year. You have to make it evolve so that you don't uh, have technical debt that's building up. But it's it's not a change every every year. So that's why Overall, it's not it's not changing every year. It's just evolving um, and upgrading what's existing.
1: It's fascinating. Isn't it? As you say, it has to be sort of community-led, doesn't it? Because it, it needs yeah. a significant adoption before it's even viable. Uh, yeah. And these things, of course, aren't taught or adopted in universities or class. It's really by the community that just they, right. they build their own skills, don't they?
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, it's kind of like, what do people like working with? Um, and then how easy is it to implement? How easy is it to maintain? How, What is the performance? So for different tasks, you have different languages, different frameworks. And then when it's kind of solidified, it stays there for a while. And then now what we see, we have always the same demands. You have Microsoft that's here with the .NET stuff. Uh, we have uh, all the JavaScript, TypeScript frameworks that have been here for for a long time, and uh, and, and some new frameworks appear, um, but it's slowly, like it's maybe three, four years evolution, kind of stuff. And people kind of, for us to make sure that we're still, you know, always uh, on top of things, is we try to train our developers that are on the bench when we see a new trend. We make sure we give uh, a developer that's been working on an old framework, for example, trainings to be trained on a new framework. It still is JavaScript, it still is typescript, so the language doesn't change is the framework around it that might be a bit of a change, so it's a couple of weeks or maybe months of of training for someone to be up to speed, but the craft of coding doesn't completely change or is not reinvented on a yearly basis
1: mm. And what is the journey for you know, a Filipino kid that, uh, for some reason, finds coding to be their thing? Um, their journey, I assume, maybe they do a little bit in school, maybe they then yeah. go to college and do a bit, but the yeah. vast majority would be sort of within an international forum then, would it? Are they learning the stuff online? They find international forums? Or is it still... Uh, kind of localized to a Filipino community and, and or is it purely sort of international now? Like, How do people um, I- kind of extend their skills? Or-
0: so I think so uh, mostly, I mean, the people we hire, um, they come from a, a computer science background from university. So they have learned how to code um, in school, mostly on older stuff um so it's not super up to date but it's still like the 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 principles are the same and and so you you have the people who are passionate about it and then they would go online and try to do things and participate to international projects and stuff because everything's online right So and open source things uh, w- they would participate into but, or the other part because not everybody's a, a fan of of coding and some make it as their job, right? So because maybe their parents told them, you know, that's a good job to have. And so go do this in university and stuff like that. And so these people uh, who most of them like their craft um, learn this stuff in school, and then they go on to joining um, a company, a local company or an international company, and they work in the office or maybe now more I mean, from home, but still working for a company that is established in the Philippines, and that's where usually these fresh grads spend one or two years honing their skills, and then seeing what it is to actually code in real life on a on a on a product that is being you know used to serve clients and stuff. So, with the structure of a company, because it's not the same as participating in a in a open source project where there's a lot less structure, um, and 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 then after two or three years, usually people want to to see a change, and that's when they can change jobs and get a much better salary because then they are becoming like they're mid level developer instead of being a junior. So that's basically how what we've seen so far and how it goes.
1: We should mention uh, Arcanus, of course, uh, Fred. <laughs> how, how over the last year, how have you seen things develop for for your business? I mean. You're really a sort of microcosm of the of the broader market, but are you seeing people embracing offshoring more? Um, they're generally more educated about how it works. How are you yeah. seeing things evolve for your business?
0: Yeah, I think COVID has been a main driver in like a change of perception for people because like our first most, biggest market for us has always been Australia. I mean, for the last six years and because of the border closures in Australia, people were struggling to find skills um so it became really super expensive but not just in australia but uh mainly in australia for us and so people were like trying to find solutions and say like i can't even if i wanted to pay i i wouldn't be able to find the developers so i guess that's when a lot of people self educated themselves towards outsourcing and looking at the options that they could have and the philippines for australia again is a, is an easy choice because in the terms of the time zones and the language skills is probably the best option for, for Australia really. Um, so that's what I've seen in Australia. Um, what we've seen, for example, in the U S is slightly different um, is that they were, I think a lot more uh, already uh, aware of outsourcing because of the Indian diaspora uh, and because it kind of started there really. And um um, so they have been outsourcing quite a lot. And so the prices, for example, in Latin America went up like absolutely crazy. Um, and so now we're seeing a shift, slow shift towards other countries, like maybe the Philippines, um, because talent is scarce, even in Latin America, there's, I mean, language issues. And so they're starting to realize that maybe the Philippines could be a good, uh, a good option because it's twice as cheap as Latin America. It's crazy to think about it, twice as cheap. Um, and, okay, there's a little bit of a time zone difference, but the cost differential and coming back to, you know, the economy, uh, it kind of starts making a lot more sense now. Yeah, and
1: the, what about a lot of, and where do you see other emerging economies? I mean, you mentioned LATAM. Colombia is, is seems the hot. Space at the moment. Yeah. Do you have any sort of? Do you do you kind of have people altering their requests? Of course, Vietnam was um, spoken about really quite a lot about two years ago. and Now that seems to have died down a little bit. How do you see all of these emerging, uh, you know, competitors or locations? Yeah.
0: So, I mean, for Colombia, I think it's pretty mature as well. That's why the costs have been going up a lot. And the the problem, for example, with Colombia, I think is the really the English speaking uh skill set driving even more prices up just as vietnam if you want to have a good developer you can find one for a reasonable sorry a reasonable amount but if you want someone who's speaking good english then you have to pay more so there's a discrepancy uh just because of the language which is something we don't have in the Philippines because everybody speaks good English so um that's one thing. For the for the rest, I don't really know with We've looked in... So we are also present in Bulgaria and we've seen that this market, for example, has been affected quite a lot by Ukraine because a lot of the Ukrainians became offline. So everybody scrambled. If you had devs in in Eastern Europe, then you would probably want to stay there. So putting a lot of pressure on other markets because Ukraine and maybe Russia as well because you had people having Mm. employees in Russia were two super big markets.
1: Yeah. And you're a European, obviously... Um, and Eastern Europe, you know, and as you say, sort of Ukraine and Russia and Bulgaria, and a lot of those states are, are quite well renowned for developers. And yeah, um, how how are you seeing that evolve? And what what do you see as Europe's take on offshoring to the Philippines? It, they don't seem that sort of aware, and, and do they just sort of go into their backyard of Eastern Europe typically to to source their staffing?
0: Yeah, I think I think the Philippines is fairly remote. Uh, if you look at the map, it's super remote, right? And people, as you said, they're not very aware of that. Um, and then they're thinking the time zone is is, a, is an issue, um, uh, which if you organize, it's not, but uh, because we're working with clients in Australia, uh, in, in Europe and in the UK, but uh, it's just not on the radar. So people would just look close by, right? It's like the near-shoring thing. So if it's not in Eastern Europe, it would maybe go to uh, North Africa, so Tunisia, uh Morocco, uh or or places like these for especially for French um, uh, I think for French uh, companies and then some I've heard you know uh people were finding good developers in South Africa. Um so I don't I don't know really but uh so because it's kind of like in the same time zone.
1: Um, yeah yeah powerful and then Fred, what about, uh, uh, web 3.0? And of course the whole crypto thing has been, has also been going through a bit of a crisis in the last few weeks. Um, yeah. but you know, maybe a year ago, I think maybe the, the whole crypto thing was, was peaking. And were you getting a lot of inquiries requests to, I don't know, build crypto web point web 3.0 stuff?
0: Yeah, we did. And, um, uh, we're Swiss, so we're very slow at reacting uh, to <laughs> new things uh, because we're right very prudent. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. in some cases, rightly so. In some cases, you miss the boat. But the thing is, every client that we add, we want to add to our counties, has to reinforce the strength of the company. Um, so everything that we see is a risk in terms of us getting involved with clients that have a very Risky profile, we just don't take them. And usually, they're like flush with cash for a while. They want to blow it all, and and it's people who are not so organized, and and so they suddenly want forty DAVs, and then and then the next day the market is crashing, and then they pull the plug. And it won't. We don't want any of that um, mm. because we want to be able to sleep at night. But also, what is even more important is for our employees. We can't hire. Forty people, and then fire them the next day because uh, because a client has just blown right, and and so it happened that we had clients that had troubles in co- during COVID because a lot of businesses had to close, basically. But uh, that was an external factor uh, that is not intrinsically t- tied to the industry in which you are at, and so all these crypto, Bitcoin, I mean, markets. Uh, like the web 3 the nft stuff it's not mature enough for us to 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 want to get involved um that's the first thing and the second thing because this is relatively new the skills cannot come in later in the philippines right so that's why we're really more geared towards extending existing development teams rather than being like uh The forefront of their r&d stuff which actually should stay in-house i mean um you're building something for your own business you have to master that you can't just outsource like the mastery of of your ip uh to Mm -hmm. to an outsource partner like i think that's not i mean that's not the way we we would see it to be becomes a solid company for them
1: Yeah, fascinating. And what about the talent side of that equation then? Do you see a lot of your devs? Are they, would you say, this is a generalization, would you say that they're sort of naturally curious? And then when there is this new Web3 thing, crypto, they're drawn towards that? Or do you think that devs are a little bit more, uh, what would you say, um, prudent, but also they've seen a lot of, New languages, new innovation, and, and they just stick to the tried and tested. Have you seen the community sort of veer towards uh, Web three much?
0: So, so I'm a bit remote from all of that, but I would tend to 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 uh, to say what you have, what you just said in the in the last part of your sentence, which is like, I guess the people that are a bit more experienced have seen it all. They know that there's always new stuff coming in, um, and and fading. So. Um, they probably, maybe, a bit curious about it and would try it out, and then they would see like if it's fading or not. And um, uh, and maybe for the younger one, they would you know want to discover more stuff and and uh, are a bit more curious. Um, but we don't necessarily know uh, much of that because I mean they are in their projects and um, and and so they stick to that. And most of the learnings that we try to encourage them to do. Is on stuff that is related to their project is also related to their uh, interests, of course. But it has to have some business sense. So we wouldn't push people to go onto like new fads and stuff uh, because usually it's it's not it's a risky decision for any business to to jump into something before it's been tried and tested.
1: Yeah, fascinating. And what would you say is your typical client profile then for Arcanus? And how do you see this whole? Certainly, you know, in the way that you have uh, looked to implement this, where do you see the sweet spot is for businesses yeah. outsourcing their dev teams?
0: So we we are looking at uh, clients mostly SaaS companies that do B two B products, um, and it's mostly fairly mature startups or scale-ups that have an internal tech team that uh, has at least one CTO or lead developer and ideally a few more developers that are looking to extend their team with four or more software developers offshore to complement that. So basically to assist uh, senior developers to go faster um, uh, with their uh, the development of their features on the long-term, right? So that's we are really helping them I mean, build a a strong team that they can rely on over time.
1: Got it. Pretty powerful stuff. And uh, software is eating the world, isn't it? Like this will never abate. Like literally everything is now software based. And so the demand for developers, coders, like anyone in this industry is phenomenal. Yeah.
0: And and I think it's going to, Keep on being like that, um, because there's so much untapped potential still. Like if you think about the way we live, there's already a ton of software around everything, but there's also so many areas where there's still not no software, right? So, mm. um, and then it's opening new doors to so many more things. So I think there's no end to 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 the software eating the world. Really, uh, it might just be more hidden in 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 stuff uh because it's assisting in ways uh we we maybe don't know of yet and and we probably would have maybe to interact even less with it um through our screens who knows but uh it's it's just gonna keep on 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 increasing uh, in smart devices you know like uh if you just think about the headphones I have like the, now there's a chip in there, there's like it's calculating stuff, which wasn't the case five or ten years ago. and you have software running that. you have hardware of course, but you need software to run that stuff. So everything's gonna become more complex and more driven with software. So I don't see any shortage of of of, of that need.
1: And just final question, but Arcanis, do you as coding gets more complex, into the ecosystem has sort of brought more and more things like um, designers and product managers yeah. and things like that. They're sort of inextricable parts. Are you? Do you provide those things, or you just sort of provide the one core function? How, how do you sort of separate yeah. out those auxiliary roles?
0: No, yeah, you're right. We we do need to have these roles uh, because we are a software development company that does outsourcing and builds teams. And or extend teams for our clients, but we need to have this capability. So when there is a, a shortage or sh- in in the or a gap in the skills that are needed for a project in our client's uh, team, we need to be able as a partner to fill that gap and come in and and help them out to fulfill their uh, their their goals. So we have these uh, designers, as you mentioned, we have these testers, we have uh, business analysts, uh, scrum masters. A bit of DevOps as well to help them with, with, with all that side of things. Um, we have architects that can help them, really senior architects from Europe that are with us to help them with their complex architectural questions uh, for audits. I mean, to have them really build the best stuff they, uh, they can if, and if they need help, we're really here uh, for them.
1: Amazing. As always, Fred, I recommend people just reach out, have a conversation because the, the learning is so vast and the opportunity is, is so incredible for businesses. So uh, as always, if anyone wants to reach out to you or know more about Arcanis, how can they do that?
0: Yeah, uh, so they can find us on arcanis.com on our website. They can uh, shoot me an email at, at com. And, uh, or simply find me on, uh, on LinkedIn uh, by typing Frederick Joy.
1: Great, and I'll put all of that in the show notes. Thank, Thank you so much, Fred.
0: Thank you, Derek. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks. If you enjoyed this episode, please like it, rate it, or share it with someone who could benefit from it. Get in touch and tell me what you think on LinkedIn at Frederick Joy or via the link in the description below.